Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, welcome back everybody to another episode of Baby Got Batch. I'm one of your hosts, Camila Salazar. And then I'm the other host, Brett Vergara. Hello. Hello. And it is now episode two of Katie's Journey to Find Love. Brett, uh, just first impression thoughts. What? How are we feeling about this group? How are we feeling about these dates? Like, how are we feeling about this location? How are we feeling? Yeah. So again, like both you and I really loved the premiere and you know, still very much do. I actually really liked this episode a lot, too, and I think I liked it more than the premiere just because for me, I feel like I actually learned more about the guys. The premiere is always mm-hmm. just so overwhelming and I don't know anybody's yeah. names and I'm just like, ah, but with this, you're actually starting to see their personalities come out and I think we're seeing more of Katie and yeah, I just overall really liked it. Um, I really like the episode too. I think that like the premiere and the finale of a season isn't like comparable to the rest of the season. I feel like they're just like very different um, structurally, but I agree that I like really just like liked this episode so much. I also, I'll always say I love the first half of the seasons more than the second half, just because it's like a lot more guys. So it's usually a lot more like fun and silly. And and then obviously as time goes on, things get serious, which of course is important for finding the love of your life, but uh, it can be, it can get a little boring and repetitive. So I really love the first half. So I thought it was a really strong second episode slash first week of like quote unquote normal. (laughs) bachelor life i will say though that i as we all know my favorite guy went home last week i'm pretty bummed about it been talking about it all week but i when we started this episode i was like okay well at least like the two other guys that i thought were super super cute and fun even though we didn't know much about them yet are still in and that was josh and marcus and then time is going on and i'm like okay i see josh very little screen time but i see him where the heck is Marcus? Then, like oh, he no. was nowhere. And so then I pulled up, I, I started Googling like who's left or whatever. And Marcus also went home night one. Yeah. And I straight up did not realize that until multiple days later also. And again, as we said on the podcast, I rewound. I tried my best to be like, who went yeah. home? I do not want to <laughs> leave anybody off. It still happened because, uh, yeah, because this show just did Marcus dirty. It always has to do somebody dirty. Yeah. So anyway, I'm really sad about it. Uh, I feel like, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I yeah. think I feel this way every bachelorette season, but my favorites never last. They always go home pretty early. I think Wells is my favorite that lasted the longest and he was pretty middle of the pack. Anyway, I don't know. This is almost like a new record for me that like <laughs> there, there's literally one person of my three yes. initial that's still in. And this guy is 
And I'm going to be honest, he's giving me real middle of the pack energy. And that's, I want him to do better. But right now it's not looking better for him. So. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, like no shade to Josh. I agree. Middle of the pack energy. Cause like. So middle of the pack. Like he's getting that edit and it's fine. It was just like a first impression. Like what a cutie. And also Miami. But usually my favorites are never the front runners. Uh, but usually they, yeah. they go farther than this. So that's kind of, it's kind of yeah. a bummer that two out of my three were. Yeah. We're night one losers. Yeah. I also think for the most part and, you know, within reason, but if someone's like a very clear front runner, I always want to support the more of the underdog contestants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's going to be some faves that I latch on completely to, you know, like Connor the cat being mm -hmm. one of them. But there's like some others where I'm just like, you know, everybody likes you. Therefore, like, I don't I'm not going to like just give out my <laughs> my rose, if you will. So, easily. yeah, you know, I, I want to like root for the Josh's. I will say to this episode, I think I saw Josh a little bit more where I was like, oh, look at this guy. Yeah. Again, like he's a cutie, yeah. you know, but again, I'm, I'm worried for him. I'm well, do you think it's because he um, opened up about well in, in the little bit that we saw of him we op he opened up about his you know body issues and his self-esteem issues and you have talked before about how you relate to those types of issues yeah I mean I think that's a part of it I think just the fact that he had really any conversation whatsoever <laughs> was another part of it you know I mean of course that's going to be a piece but yeah just hearing people talk it's like oh all right I, I have like more than one singular second to digest who you are as a person. Right. So that is naturally going to go in Josh's favor. Um, well, before we just go through the whole episode without even formally starting or going in order, shall we kick off uh, this episode recap? Let's do it. All right. So we start off with Katie wistfully walking around the Hyatt Regency. And I will say we need to see more of the Hyatt Regency because we've seen like a couple alcoves. We've seen a little like shot, but I need to see. this. I'm place. just like, what? The Hyatt Regency? Like, don't get me wrong. Hyatt Regencies aren't like they're not a dump. You know, they're they're nice. They're comfortable. But isn't this the Bachelorette? Like, isn't this supposed to be flashy, glamorous, everything? You know, they're not traveling, right? Like, they're yeah. not staying in these, like, exquisite five-star places in Switzerland or Australia or, or Japan. So you would think they could spring a little bit for, for where's, where's the Bachelorette version of the Nima colon? Nima colon. Yeah. Whatever right, it's called. Right. Or, or however it's said. Yeah. Well, we had talked before. It's like it's missing uniqueness, yes. you know, where with Nemecolon, whatever we want to land on for the pronunciation there, that was like special. I'd never heard of Nemecolon before. So I'm like, oh, what is this magical place in this is what Western Pennsylvania? With this, it just feels like, oh, we're staying at the local Marriott. Like yeah. what's happening here? I don't want to stay at a chain for Bachelorette. Do you actually remember, too, before they moved to Hyatt Regency? There were rumors that they were going to film Canada. in Canada and they were going to film at this lodge. I looked at that place and that place looked awesome. So, you know, I don't know if they just had to panic. Maybe they just panicked. They needed a spot. And Hyatt was like, hey, we're around. No one's staying here. And uh, yeah. And then they just rose to the occasion, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the uniqueness thing is key. It's like, again, the shots we were seeing of this place, it looks really pretty. It looks really nice. But like. If this was a regular season of The Bachelorette or The Bachelor and they were traveling to New Mexico for some fun nature shit, they would not be staying there. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then so we get a quick, you know, little sit down, little chat, like very sprint kind of chat with Caitlin and Taisha. And 
they're essentially saying like, oh, Katie, you seem like into the majority of your men, which is cool. And then we get a little bit, too, of the different spin that Tasha and Kaylin can provide over Chris. Yeah. And you're going to see their personalities today, which is the yeah. part that I love most about group date. So you have a group date today, mm -hmm. you have your one-on-one -on -one tomorrow, Yes. and then another group date. It's a busy week. But that's the life of The Bachelorette. You know, like, that's like a new thing that you can say because she's been through that. Yeah, and also, it's true. Like, I feel like I was yelling at the TV, like, that's true. Um, Throwback yeah. to freaking Matt season where they gobbled up, like, five whole group dates and we didn't get to see yeah. any fun, silly times of the girls actually enjoying each other's company. Yeah, I was just right. like, thank you, Tasha. Ahem, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Producers, don't cut this shit out of post. <laughs> I do have hope that they're leaning a little bit more into the camaraderie energy. I feel like we're getting that a little bit with like exception of a few people. But overall, it seems one, like there's a really good group of guys here. And then two, I don't know, they seem to like each other for the most part. But maybe I'm going to regret saying that and they're all going to start fighting next week. Who knows? I think I want that too, them leaning in. I'm not going to lie. I think it is more common on The Bachelorette than on The Bachelor to see that or for that to be encouraged even by, you know, yeah. the behind the scenes powers that be. I think we've both talked about this before about how like The Bachelor is kind of more sexist and it's kind of cattier yeah. and it plays on those themes and those things in order to like, you know, create drama. And there's totally drama and infighting um, with the men as well, but it's it's usually one or two toxic men that like yeah. stir some shit. Whereas on The Bachelorette, it's usually like it's usually just like making the women look their absolute worst, yeah. which is annoying. I do agree with yeah. you. I think that they're leaning into the camaraderie yeah, right. thing more, but I hope that it's not just because it's The Bachelorette and that it's, this is like a trend that they're going to continue in future seasons as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping so too. And uh, you know, speaking of people who might not be as like into the camaraderie energy. We're getting like a little bit of glimpses of some of these guys for better, or for worse. Mm -hmm. And we got Carl here Ugh. who's referring to this group date, you know, just competing for Katie's heart as a competition, which right off the bat, it's, it's just screaming some wrong reasons, energy and uh, not, not into it. Yeah. It reminds me of that moment between Hannah and Jed, like when she's confronting him about his secret lady friend. You know what else bothered me? What? When you got home and I asked you about like telling your friends and like, yeah, I told him I won. It makes me mad. I, but I, but I can now totally it like, hurts it. worse because now like then I was like, why did you say that? People say it, whatever. But now it makes me think about everything and why. And yeah. that was such a small yeah. moment in that whole thing, but it really stuck with me because it's like, oh yeah, that's like, they're not on the same page about what they're there for. Like for him, he won a reality competition and for her, she got engaged. So it's kind of like very similar energy to that. Yeah, yeah. So like Carl really gave me that energy when we get this little line here. Date card time. Yeah. Yeah. This is the Hunger Games, bro. This is a competition. <laughs> I mean, it's game time right now. I mean, this is it. This is the first date. If I'm given a shot and I'm given that opportunity, I'm fighting. I'm fighting to the death. Ask not what your bachelorette could do for you, but what you could do for your bachelorette. <laughs> and I mean, like, sir, it's week two. The intensity <laughs> is not necessary. This is just so much so fast. And that's the thing is like, if you're focused on more, oh, like I'm really 
interested in exploring the connection, there's not enough time yet for the connection to be driving this level yeah. of intensity. I feel like it might be a little something else. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. It just feels like he wants to win. Like the personal gain thing, I can see that as like the motivational speaker, right? Like you make right. money from being popular and, you know, like maybe the original influencer, right? Getting paid to like speak places. But I mean, there's no other words to put to it. It just felt very more like a competition energy versus a, versus a connection driven thing, as you said. Yeah. He just, for me, exudes energy where you're like at a house party and there's just like one guy who's clearly drunker than everybody else. And you maybe like just got there. You're a little bit behind. And he just thinks he's so much like funnier and wittier than he is like just just like three times over. And then you're just questioning all of your choices like shit. Why am I at this house party? Oh, no. I want to immediately leave. I want to immediately call an Uber and get the hell out of here because this is not the energy I'm here for. Yeah. All right, so we got the first group date of the season. So woo, look at us doing little milestones. Here we are. And we've got, you know, a good amount of names. We're at the point in the season where there's just a lot of people. There's a lot of people to cut. So we just got to cram everybody in all mm -hmm, these group mm -hmm. dates. So just a bunch of dudes. Uh, and they look like they're we're doing a little sexy time date a little bit. We're seeing it in previews and we're already here. We're just starting it off with a literal bang, I suppose. And the men enter this dark room and mysteriously this red brazier is just like on the floor with this this uh, detective-esque spotlight on it and then all of a sudden oh what's that oh we got some fluffy handcuffs and like oh, oh what's this uh the vibrator katie's vibrator the final emergence from the darkness so and then we see heather mcdonald who's a comedian for people who aren't familiar and she's also a podcaster uh is hosting this little <laughs> sexy time state and it looks like we're doing a little trivia first to you know get people warmed up and I think um, the point of the date is, you know, they're trying to find her perfect, like, sexual match, or, like, her perfect partner, something like that. Like, So I think they're competing for greatest lover of all time. Okay. So that can, that can take many shapes and forms, I suppose. So it could be greatest sexual partner. It could just be greatest listener. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So greatest lover of all time. And they start with a little bit of trivia, which I just want to say off the bat, they did not reveal the answer to some of these questions. And I genuinely uh, wanted to know. So that was a little frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, like they, they revealed some of them and then like not others. Yeah. So for example, they asked like, Oh, um, what's the woman's largest sex organ ends up being the brain. Connor the cat knows what's up, and he was the, I think, the only one who got it right. <laughs> so look at him go, continuing to be a fave. And then they asked, how many erogenous zones does the female body have? And just never fucking give the answer. Yeah, I got this flashback to like Friends. Oh, um, yeah. And I, and I think it's because I watched the Friends reunion and they mentioned it, but there's like an episode or something like that where Monica says that there's like six or seven erogenous zones and they're all trying to figure out what they are, which I thought was very funny. So in my mind, I was like, maybe it's six or seven. Like maybe Monica's right, but that's just like a funny bit because men are dumb. And then we never even found out what they were. So fitting with that theme. Yeah. And listen too, if we don't have all the answers revealed to us, how are we supposed to learn. appropriately judge? Well, I was going to say, you know, learn is, is very fair, <laughs> but also appropriately judge these men for oh. their lack or, you know, depth 
of knowledge. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sexy time stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, another fun fact that I did not know was that if you wear socks and you're a woman, you're more likely to have an orgasm. Gonna try that out. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Listen, I mean, <laughs> is it because you're cozier? Is it because you feel safe? You know what my know exactly. first thought was, was that like your, I mean, I think in my regular life, like in my regular life, I feel like sometimes my feet are just like really cold. Like I feel like it's the hardest to get like blood there. So maybe your mm. feet just get really, really cold because all the blood rushes elsewhere and so you're like extra cold and then it's distracting and the, your your finger, mm. your toes are really cold because of that that was my theory for when when they said that i think that makes a lot of sense even though we have no idea but like listen so like i do appreciate that they did reveal that answer but but yes. now i want to know the whole deep dive as to why which i understand listen right. this is where we'll give uh, some credit to Bachelorette. I know that they don't have time to get into all that. So that's our responsibility right. to learn a little bit more, expand our own knowledge. To do some googs. But you can at least say the answer to your trivia questions. That feels like a basic ask. Right. Uh, which brings us to the next question. What's the most effective sex tool for women, which they also uh, did not answer? What were some of the... Did we see some of the... Um, Answers for that or no? I think we did, but they were starting to get to this point where they were just rushing through the bit because then right after mm. that, they started going into like, what's your go to sex position? And I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't trivia anymore. What's happening here? You can't just <laughs> change the format right in the middle of all this. What are you doing? So I think we got like yeah. some quick scans, but not enough. for Gotcha. Me to I'm going to have to go back and freeze frame that because yeah. I don't remember that question <laughs> at all. And then that question, the the go to sex position with paired with when's the last time you had sex. Um, you're right. For, total format breaking. And I think that they were probably added in to put a little pressure on Mike, the 31 year old virgin of the group who, mm. you know, just very obviously is on this day and in this situation for a reason yeah and no and i i I definitely felt for mike like in that moment because he probably had this idea of how he wanted this conversation to go down this this revelation um and uh and yeah this was just like a really tough position to to be in and you know and i will say like i know we talked about this last week too but i definitely went into when we learned that, oh, we have like a virgin on Katie's season, it naturally got like defensive of Katie. It's like, you know, do we have to do this again? I think a big reason for that is because, you know, me and I think like probably some others have this natural defensiveness because of how much the Colton virgin narrative was exploited and then continued to be exploited. Well, even and even like Hannah brown and luke like he was a very toxic born again virgin so i think being defensive of of katie is reasonable when we just look at the empirical evidence of how virgin storylines have kind of come to fruition on the show yeah yeah so i do think mike did the best what he you know what he could do with the situation i think like the putting down the question mark was a pretty solid move because it kind of lended this air of mystery to it like oh do i just not remember the last time i had sex because it's just been so long or like clearly we learned it wasn't that or maybe he's being coy he doesn't want to reveal so it kind of left uh a little bit of room for him to breathe and then address it on 
I would say his own terms, but mm, maybe not yeah. so much his own terms, but in better terms. Yeah, I would say that his this whole thing with him felt like a very good example of like, I mean, yes, obviously producer manipulation, but almost like well done producer manipulation. Yeah. Like, and not even to say like well done as in like they helped Mike or whatever. Like he obviously was put in an awkward situation. And he had to make the best, but almost <sighs> like. Uh, I mean, my, my instinct is to say, like, least exploitative, but, like, because he, he even said so himself. He knew that something like this was going to happen. He just didn't expect it to happen so soon. So, like, I yeah. w- was worried for him for, like, a hot second. Okay, when was the last time you had sex? Do I write that I'm a virgin, you know? Two months? Mm. Question mark? Mm-hmm. I just put question marks because I want her to hear it from my lips first. And so I also thought the question mark was a smooth move. And I I feel like even though he probably wanted to have to reveal this to Katie in like an intimate one-on-one setting, you know, and maybe the producers kind of forced him to do it on stage. I still think that it was like a significantly nicer moment when that did happen than if he had just like written it on the board. And I felt like it was like a nice moment. And Katie obviously enjoyed it and it was very intimate and like no one, you know, made fun of him. That we saw. I'm sure there are some douchebags in the crowd who are like, you know, the same way that they did with Colton at the end of Becca's season. Like, I'm sure there were people who had something to say. But I really love that production. Like, didn't include that. They didn't include people chirping at him or being sexist or whatever. Would I have loved to see some guys be more supportive? Sure. But it's still better this way than the other way. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And it did seem even if the guys weren't like super glaringly supportive of him it did just seem like they were present with when he was you know sharing later Mm -hmm. on so there was like some level of respect there Mm -hmm. so it kind of adds to this general you know perhaps naive feeling i have about this whole group of guys that it does genuinely seem like a good group from what we've seen so far and so we have revealed a little bit what happens in the second part of the date which is that all the men give a presentation to Katie and the rest of the men who are not on the date who come to be part of the quote unquote live audience and Tasha and Caitlin. And they show Katie a presentation on what makes them the greatest lover. And so yeah. that was Mike's presentation. He, you know, had like a very deep, like heartfelt one-on-one. But before that, we started with Connor, Connor the cat, and he did a little musical number and it was honestly really, really cute and really great. My feet may not be perfect, but I know my own self-worth. Yes. And the length of my affection is less important than the girth. <laughs> Katie, oh my God, your smile sets off wedding bells. I'd love to see you wear it with little to nothing else. The greatest lover here. Well, let's not let the question linger. Remember, I play piano. I'm amazing with my fingers. He fucking crushed that. And also, too, I, I was thinking when I was listening to that song, one, that song was fucking great. And it was a bop. Uh, but another is I wonder how much time they had to write because I don't gather it's probably that much. I don't think they're just sitting there for like hours upon hours. So I think he probably that was a quick turnaround. So. And if I was any of the other guys there, <laughs> I would have been so fucking nervous. And granted, like, did he go first? Like, pro- I think so. Yeah, we don't necessarily uh, know because I didn't, but know the I order. agree. But yeah, I would be real nervous. But 
when we start seeing these other guys, I think the majority did like a pretty solid job, like in their own way, whether it was more serious, whether they did like a fun bit, like, you know, Christian and Trey, where Christian did like a little, you know, speech monologue, what have you, of him doing various chores and then like ripping off a pair of breakaway mm-hmm. pants. Which but is I'm annoyed that they do. didn't like show his full body at all. I was like, why are you trying to be PG all of a sudden? Yeah, I, I was wondering like what was exposed because Katie did like cover Tasha's eyes. So I'm like, what are we seeing? What, or what isn't Tasha seeing right now? So there's a little bit of a mystery that is yet to be solved there. We, we need, we need that shot. And we also need the answers to some of those trivia questions, both. Mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with that, we see like, we see almost like a montage, like quick run through of all the other men's performances, which I was a little frustrated by because part of me wanted to see what happened. Like I wanted to see yeah, like with Thomas holding up Katie's vibrator and saying like, you know, she's not going to need anymore. I wanted to see like what, like the context of what that was a part of. Um, I like, I I don't know. I felt that way about many of them. I was like, but what, what else happened? Yeah. Well, my initial reaction to Thomas is like, oh oh, yeah, I'm going to like hold up the vibrator and say, you don't need it anymore. I always think it's like funny when guys need to like prove that their dick is going to be so much better than a vibrator that they're just going to throw the vibrator away. It's like, listen, you don't have to like war against the vibrator (laughs) you can have it all you know you can bond with your partner in a relationship and then also let them and just enjoy a good vibe you know it just it just makes everybody happier so thomas no need to hate on the vibrator it's okay yeah i do always find it funny um when men feel like it's a competition with the the vibrator and like (laughs) sure there are some vibrators that are literally fake penises right like okay that's maybe maybe that one is more for solo time or whatever but for the most part they probably should be incorporated into your intimate times together uh and i feel like that's just something that a lot of men can't wrap their minds around so sad for those men and And especially more sad for the women who deal with those men (laughs) exactly and then plus i feel like anytime there's a story of man versus machine if you will (laughs) Never really comes out great for man. Man's always like trying his best. And then, listen, if we have the technology, why not utilize the technology? You Mm -hmm. know, you just got to embrace the reality Mm -hmm. of the situation. Yeah. And so then we get to Carl's, who they show a lot of his, um, who we've already mentioned is not, you know, the most enjoyable to watch this episode. He's kind of been getting on our nerves a little bit. He's kind of being too intense, too competitive with. I have another energy that I think of with Carl. And it reminds me of like that middle school bully who takes kickball way too seriously in gym class. And just everybody has a bad time because he can't just realize it's gym class and like no need to be so weirdly intense about it. Yeah, and so he's kind of freaking out about how good everyone else is. How is he going to stand apart when everyone's saying the same things that you want to say? And then he taps into his, you know, quote-unquote motivational speaking talent and basically gives a motivational speech that apparently lasts a million years and is super bad and awkward. He starts to get heckled real bad. I actually kind of felt bad for him a little bit because I think heckling is is nerve-wracking and and like especially when it's small and intimate and like you know all these people like it can be i feel like that could kind of suck on your ego and your self-esteem and whatever i just feel bad for him a little bit but um yeah he but in general his 
his shtick was bad. Yeah. Like it just wasn't yeah. a good performance. It was probably the worst of the whole group, in my humble opinion. I mean, I feel like hecklers in general, it's just like heckling just like never a good idea. And heckling is often a reflection of uh what's going on with that person more than the material. Sometimes it's a little bit of both, but I don't know. But I will say I liked the <laughs> so you had like reactions from Justin, who was just clearly very not into what was going on in that stage. Courtney with like the occasional kind of snide reaction, comment, what have you. Um, but then you had people like, once again, Connor the cat crushing it again. And Trey, who were clearly like not vibing with what was happening, but I think they tried to diffuse the tension a little bit. And they were like, good job, everybody. Like, you know, he just pushing past it a little bit. So I think that was a good way to handle that situation. Yeah, I agree. And then the very last person to go up was Mike. We already chatted about his. Um, here's a little clip just so that you can kind of really understand the vibe switch between crazy Carl motivational speech that truly went nowhere and said nothing and was just a bunch of empty words. And then this very deep, like lovely, like one-on-one -on -one moment that Mike was able to have with Katie on stage. To my future wife, I've always wanted you to feel so loved and honored and the best way for me to show you this is by saving myself for you. I want you to know is that I would wait another 31 years to have sex if it was what proved to you that I would sacrifice everything for you to feel loved and secure. And that is why I would be the greatest lover for you. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. And then, yeah, no surprise to anyone. He won the uh, yeah. little group date uh, yeah, trophy and thing. I mean, I best really lover. He won the best lover. Clearly because, and that was very know, cute. He's asking Katie to come up on stage. Clearly, Katie is like not really any idea what's about to happen. And then I think, again, this was another example of where... I really felt the emotion like through the screen. And the main reason I felt the emotion, of course, it was listening to him talk about, you know, how he envisions his, you know, future lover, future partner, um, you know, what they're going to be like. But I got emotionally affected looking at how Katie was reacting to it because you could just see certain parts where, you know, tears welled up in her eyes and he's just, yeah. Yeah. It was just a really beautiful and touching moment and I really felt it yeah she was crying and then we have the night portion of the group date and Katie sits down with Connor Connor the cat and he asks her do you still like me even though I'm no longer a cat which I thought was very funny considering we still keep calling him Connor the cat <laughs> he's always going to be Connor the cat I'm not going to bail like it just it's solidified in my book but but Kate but Katie said he's no longer Connor the cat Katie said he's Connor the musician now Listen, I'm not Katie. I just, I can't, I can't <laughs> disassociate the cat energy from Connor. It's just, it's just baked in. Although I will say this is a very weirdly niche complaint that I have about Connor, but his Instagram is something like Connor Falcon. And like, what are you doing? What are you, are is that you his a last cat? name? Are you a Falcon? No, his, his name is like Brennan or something. Because oh. it's Connor B. So like, what's the Falcon thing? And also that's really hard to search for. Just, I got a lot of, I got a lot of complaints. He's got to figure this branding thing out. I do want to know what the Falcon is about now. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out later down the line, but, but like, I feel like this branding is all over the place. Yeah. The branding's off. He should have changed it to Connor the Cat. Yeah. What are you doing? 
And especially when you're a fan favorite, got to, got to, you know, not that that's what it's about. It's about finding love, not building a social media audience. No, never. Mm-hmm. So they redo their first kiss. No, yeah. So I think it was very fair that Connor wanted to redo this kiss because he went into, you know, again, some of the logistics issues. You know, one, he was nervous, fair logistic issue. But then two, he literally had cat paws on. So like that's a little hard because you got to be able to do like the the head cradle with like a good kiss. I'm a big fan of the head, like the delicate head cradle, chin cradle, whatever you want to call it. So very fair. And he also admitted that he thought he may have Mm -hmm. flubbed it, which I thought was interesting because when I looked at that first date, first week kiss, I was like, it felt like a little um, (laughs) all over the place. And again, like I I will preface, I would never want footage of me kissing a person uh, anywhere. I I never want to see that. So I very much empathize with if you're making out with someone that being aired, I Kudos, kudos to that. But it did look a little yeah, yeah. messier than some of the other kisses we got. But that being said, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, 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 I totally agree. I feel like that can be super cringy, but we love someone who is self-aware in the moment and who's like, hmm, I think I made have extra cringe that. Yeah. Up. So I'm hoping he made up some lost time or some lost, uh, some lost points, if you will. Yeah. And then, so after we get that kiss redemption story. Uh, We're back to Carl and Carl is still like, for me, giving a lot of this game. This is all a game energy. And, you know, because they do have a moment. They're like talking, but he specifically says, oh, she's eating it up. Like, it sounds pretty manipulative. You know, you don't just say she's eating it up. Like she's buying it. Yeah, she's buying it. I mean, I guess you could also say that's like kind of player language. Right where I want her. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not endearing, sir. Like, what are you doing? It's not romantic. As for someone who's a motivational speaker, I would think that he would have a little bit more of a pulse on stuff like that, not reading great. I'm not being motivated by Carl and Katie's connection right now. Yeah, agree. So then after we get some like breakout moments with, you know, some of these guys, some little chats, uh, Katie is giving out the group date rose. And one thing that I appreciate is, you know, we've seen leads in the past where they're gathering the guys after a group date and they're like, oh, I appreciate everybody letting their walls down. But, you know, with her, she like goes around and she's like, oh, like you, I appreciate you being open about this. Like you, I appreciate that we have like this and like just really focusing on everybody before ultimately giving out the rose. And that kind of gave me the same energy as the first rose ceremony, the very first night where she kind of took a little bit more time to kind of acknowledge the guys and not just rush through the process of it all. It seems like she's being very thoughtful about making all of these decisions and owning the feelings that are going to be like hurt by some of them. Yeah, I agree. I felt very similarly. I thought this moment was really nice and really, you know, just like building these men up in the past leads, both male and female have done this before where they kind of single out two or three people and it's almost, but it, this energy felt different because in those past ways, it almost has been like, okay, these are the final three and then this is the winner. Right. And this felt much more personalized and much more like, I'm only not giving it to you because there's only one rose, you know, like it felt like a shift away from the competition part of like naming the top best conversations and more just like, I want you guys all to know that you're seeing me, but also I'm seeing you. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, and then that being said, Thomas gets the group date rose. And I'll admit, like, I was a bit surprised by this. This felt like a little bit of a curveball, but. Yeah, I was also surprised. What did they um talk about? Do you remember? Uh, that's the whole thing. Is I literally don't remember. And I think we maybe yeah. got like a very quick glimpse of it. And of course, there's plenty that I'm sure we didn't see and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think it's because more airtime was dedicated to these other guys that because this is where she she landed with that rose i'm like huh okay i mean follow your heart yeah all i remember is that he interrupted her and carl which i feel like i remember them talking for a while i guess it just wasn't memorable like i remember seeing them yeah but i don't really remember what exactly was was happening i think she said something like i can see a life with you outside of here yeah which also kind of struck me and made me feel like we're definitely missing something here yeah um yeah. i mean maybe he's kind of like giving you know i think about those people who finish like third or fourth uh, where they don't really get that much screen time, but maybe because they're just like kind of like lovingly boring. Maybe that's what <laughs> Thomas has got like going on yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that I like can in see the best that. way. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like past leads I've heard in interviews and stuff say that like, oh, people were surprised why X-Man made it to like the final six or five. And it's like, well, we actually really got along, but they were, a nice dude who was not traumatic, so they got no screen time. Yeah, right. So I, I have a feeling that might be what's going on with Thomas. So listen, yeah, yeah, good for Thomas. Yeah, good for Thomas. Unproblematic king. <laughs> well, we don't know. Right? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We got to be suspect. Now. Got to question everything. Got to be suspect. <laughs> but for now, we're hoping that this is why, and we're happy for you. Listen, this franchise has given me trust issues. What can I mm -hmm. say? So next we have the one-on-one -on -one with Greg. Surprise, surprise. So much for taking Tasha and Caitlin's advice of not going <laughs> gung-ho with the first guy that you get all Google yeah. over. But whatever. First one-on-one -on -one is with Greg. And the date card that we got is let's let our love run wild. Very mysterious. Ooh. Um, I did like like when, um, you know, like that date card was read. We find out it's Greg. I think it was Andrew M, but I will say I was trying to tell who it was, but it was like a blurry shot. And then we also haven't really gotten much from Andrew M. So I barely can recognize the man. Um, but he said, does anyone feel like it's like uh, time is money and the rich just got richer? Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's a fair way to assess this situation where not only do you get the first impression rose, but like, how about you just have the first one on one too? just go for it. Exactly. I feel like Andrew potentially question mark Andrew just matched the energy yeah. that I put down of like Greg just has it all. Yeah. <laughs> it's giving me real Claredale energy. Yeah. If I'm being honest, very light, like a diet. Like diet yeah, Dale Claire energy, but it's definitely there. I mean, not to jump too much ahead, but at one point in the in the date, she literally tells him that like you're gonna stay here for a while if yeah, you want yeah. to. I'm it's like, like damn, girl, like, it's, it's like day you know. One. I mean, I guess you don't have a ton of time, but you got to play it chill a little bit. What are you doing? You're just laying it all out there. Yeah, you know, like you're you're gonna mess yeah. up the vibes. You're the prize. <laughs> yeah, you're the prize, kid. You can't let the, you can't let them know who's winning. You got to keep them yeah, on the toes. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. That's just me chirping. I'm sure <laughs> no, that listen, she made the, a fair, great decision. Fair. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But still, so Katie pulls up in a red pickup truck that is pink on the inside, um, which was interesting. I feel like and I need to talk about these tinted windows because one, I've never seen like window tints like this. I feel like it's like illegal because how can you see like behind you? Because I, I couldn't one fully tell which windows were tinted because I feel like it kept changing like yeah. it was some sort of illusion. But just I was very confused <laughs> by the, the tinted window situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did catch my eye, but then so much was happening, right? Like, they're all like, where's her date? And someone's like, I'll go instead. And then they're matching. They're wearing the exact same outfit, which was a little funny, but also <laughs> a little cringy. Um, and then they pull away, and then box boy James, like, nearly dies. Like, I feel like he could have sued no, ABC for that if anything went slightly wrong. He could have, if he had, like, fractured a finger, he would have gotten some sort of settlement. And I feel like that was almost a missed opportunity. And also, too, this is not making me want to stay at the Hyatt Regency. I got a lot of <laughs> structural and, like, Nemecola would never. You know, Nemecola was sturdy. <laughs> I never saw anybody almost die at Nemecola or La Quinta. This place, get it together. You're a chain. This is bad for the brand. Bad for the brand. But thankfully, James lives. So, few. Yeah, thankfully, James lives. No pinky sprained. Yeah, no pinky sprained, nothing. Um, and Katie brings Greg to a camping spot that she came to with her dad, who passed away in 2012, which we got like a little snippet of that story um, very early on in Matt James' season when Katie and Sarah kind of talked out you know, talked through their drama and they got kind of got to the bottom of why Sarah was being a little like all over the place and insecure and all that stuff. So it was nice to kind of get the full story now. And I felt like one, they just had a lot of fun. It was very silly. Yeah. Um, I like that Greg was like, oh yeah, I like the outdoors. I, I would go fishing, but she really like schooled him in a lot of stuff, which I thought was, but I just love the details. Like Things like, you know, she's driving the truck, like she's teaching him how to um, put the uh, put the tent up like she taught him how like how her dad used to make like a makeshift toilet. Like, I don't know. I I thought that it was like a fun date that also seemed more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that part of that is like right there. It's COVID times like they're not having this these huge lavish dates. But I think in in an example like this, like it's almost too it's almost for the best. Mm. Like you're not distracted by like all these glitz and glamoury like crazy stunts that you would never do in real life. Like this is kind of this is not just like a regular coffee date, but this is definitely something that is real and relevant to Katie's life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice because it's just not as cookie cutter, follow the formula kind of dates. Right. We get a lot of like those types of dates, you know, and we get them later on in this episode. But it was sure. nice having this where, again, yeah, very specific to Katie. We're learning. Yeah. Learning things about Katie because of the date. And if you're just doing yeah. kind of like a bland cookie cutter date, you don't really have opportunity for that. Yeah. And then when they went to like the night portion of the day and they're having dinner and, you know, Katie was had kind of been talking about how it was hard for her to shake the sadness during the date. And she kind of opened up to Greg about that. And then Greg turned around and opened up about how he also lost his dad. I felt like it was natural. Like we talk about trauma bonding a lot and, you know, 
we've even had mm-hmm. people talk, tell us like, yeah, you kind of get in your head and you think about, okay, well, what's my story that I'm going to tell when I have that one on one time. And this felt very, yeah. very natural. You know, obviously we're going to learn about Katie cause she's the lead and you know, yeah. she, they did this whole camping date, but it just felt very natural and very not presented in a way to force the other person to give you a rose or bond with you. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm articulating this idea well, but it just yeah. felt very like, obviously at the end of the day, it's still trauma bonding, but it felt very like, yeah. like that's what you do with your partners. Like your partners are supposed to know everything about you and learn everything about you. And it felt like yeah. way more organic than we've seen in the past. Yeah. Well, I think one reason why I definitely felt like it was more organic is it didn't feel like as much of this trauma Olympics type of thing where it wasn't sort of randomly thrown in there. It's like, okay, it's time for me to reveal this grand tragedy that happened in my life to Katie again for maybe this will lock in my spot for this week. I'll get a rose because of it. Um, Yeah, it was very natural. It didn't feel like one uppy where it's like, oh, I got to make sure my trauma is better than that trauma. Uh, Yeah. And, And also, too, the fact that this was brought up later in the date where it came up at night. So, I mean, I don't know, like if that's really a huge part of it, but no, I, think I was really surprised that that wasn't like immediately revealed. Yeah. When he said that at the dinner, I, my first thought was like, oh, he waited to tell her. And I, yeah. that wasn't necessarily like a good or a bad thing. I mean, it's not like I was like, how come he didn't tell her in the moment that his, her, that his dad died too. You know, it was more like, oh, like he was really, he wanted to be very careful, intentional about the way that he opened up and revealed this to her, which to me almost felt more organic and real as well. So like, yeah, I think that the timing does kind of matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought one thing that, you know, when Greg is being really open about, um, you know, his dad and, and, you know, is clearly having a hard time. He's like looking away from Katie at times. And, you know, so you, you can definitely tell this is a, really intense moment for yeah. both of them. And he started crying. Yeah. Yeah. And then Katie was just being very, um, you know, comforting and really trying to be like, Oh no, it's okay. Like, you know, this is obviously hard. One thing that she said that I just thought was really great was she said that she thought like their date was beautiful because there was a memory that was very tied to her and her dad. You know, there was this memory that she associates with her dad and now that's like a painful memory. She gets sad about like thinking about that. And because Greg was there, she says like, this is one of the first times where she didn't like cry because of that memory where it's not only now associated with pain. Now there's a little bit of like light to it as well, which I thought was like really cool. I mean, I really liked, like I already said, when, you know, we saw earlier in the date when Katie was kind of visibly, a little bummed and like trying to keep her head in it, but she was still obviously very distracted and saddened by like memories of her dad. And then after Greg opens up about the loss of his father only a few years earlier and how some of his favorite memories with his dad are his dad waking him up super early to go fishing. I just love how Katie responds, right? You know, how, how she was so happy that they ended up having a first date that reminded them both of their dad's in like a positive way. And I think that that was very, like a very, very beautiful moment. Possibly some, you know, producer magic, but like, I think, I think that there's a distinction when it's producer manipulation and producer magic, you know? And I think this is probably a little producer magic. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's literally a show. So of course there's going to be some production involved, but I think there's ways where it's like, 
problematic and chaotic and damaging to, you know, to the people involved versus, you know, a necessary part of the weird rat experiment that all of these people are in. Um, so quite obviously, uh, it would be surprising if otherwise, but Greg gets a rose and, you know, they have a little nightcap in the back seat of the pickup truck and there's fireworks as there always are on the big, the big amazing dates. And I felt like the fireworks were so much closer to the like right over the heads of the guys than they usually are, because usually it's kind of like out in the distance. They're like, oh, there's something going on over there. But this was just like right over their heads, just really mocking them. It's like, yeah, really that rubbed it in. Well. I think oh, one yeah. guy was like, I hope this doesn't mean he gets a rose. I'm like, sir, what in what universe? Reveal to me that you've never seen this show before without telling <laughs> me that you've never seen this show before, please. <laughs> that would be I would really admire that exit, though, if like an exit was just paired up with fireworks, just really switch it up. And so now we have the second group day with the rest of the men. Um, everyone except Michael B., the man with the uh, the son and the dog, also named Tommy. And the group date card says, let's get down and dirty. Also, side note, I was very impressed that you remembered both of those fun facts because I, I remember he had a son. I forgot about the Tommy match. So like you're after one week. Thank you. Thank you. I am nothing if not someone who only remembers random facts. Their names, forget <laughs> about it. That's going to come halfway yeah. through. But the facts that are fun are in the vault. I mean, listen, how important are their names anyway? Who needs them? Who needs them? Um, especially when they all have the variation of the same three names. So anyway, um, <laughs> Kayla and Tasha, they're one, they're wearing full denim outfits like they're Britney Spears accompanying Justin Timberlake to the VMAs or some shit. And so then they cra- they wake up all the men. They're like... Uh, banging on uh, pots and pans, waking them all up, like rounding them out of the rooms without letting them put any clothes on. And I have to say, in the vein of me noticing random things, in the shots of them, like herding them out of the hotel where they're like, what, we can't grab yeah. any clothes? And they're like running down the hallways. Yeah. Uh, Greg was there. Like Greg was like mm-hmm. in one of those shots and he must have accidentally gotten herded in. And then later they're like, no, you've got to go back, go. And it really, it kind of fucked with me for a little bit. I was almost like, is this going to be a... Clarentatia season thing where multiple men go on group dates every week like oh yeah and then it's just like chaos yeah maybe um maybe greg was just like getting ice when everybody was uh being herded and then like a producer just forgot who was on the <laughs> date and then greg was like well like listen if i can get away with it i'm just i, I can see now, that this is my conspiracy yeah. theory i don't tend to dive down the conspiracy hole but like i'm gonna i'm gonna tastefully do it this time So um, they are then half naked and welcomed to Katie's big buckle brawl, which is just them mud wrestling with an old guy and a a big old beard uh, being the referee. And it's kind of like that traditional, like you mentioned, that traditional bachelor, bachelorette themed um, date where they just kind of fight each other. And of course, everyone's surprised when it maybe gets violent at some point. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, when we were talking about uh, Greg and and Katie's date being like, oh, this is like unique and like we can get to like learn a little bit about like both Katie and Greg. Like this is not that. This is we're back to cookie cutter. And also, I think something that's always funny with this because it kind of reminds me of uh, Claire's part of that season is a lot of people assume that 
the leads like this is like their big idea oh yeah i'm just like a sneaking suspicion katie probably wasn't vibing with the idea of this date she doesn't strike me as like you know what i really want to see i really want to see people fight each other that feels like my energy um but alas that's where we are we're just gonna get another fighting date yeah i mean i definitely don't think it was katie's idea it's definitely all production who comes up with the dates and stuff but i also want to be careful with like ascribing things to any of the people including the leads like both ways like she did Mm. she did say multiple times that she enjoyed like watching them and she thought they were very sexy in the cowboy thing so yeah um yeah i don't know that's that's my feeling there i think katie enjoyed herself and i think that's fine for her to have enjoyed herself because (laughs) i think i would have too if there was men mud wrestling for me again we could try to evolve but also i see the appeal sometimes yeah i mean i will say i i've definitely vibed more with uh, Kyle and John who were reacting to this date and they were like not really loving this idea like that would be me as soon as any sort of fighting or honestly even sort of any physical activity uh, that immediately is going to get me nervous like I will find some way to hurt myself this is what now whenever there's an opportunity for me to like <laughs> you know even if I'm playing like five minutes in gym class I will find a way to hurt myself because that is just how my body chooses to foray into the world <laughs> Uh, no, I feel that. I feel that. And I I will also say like a thought that I had with this is like maybe if the two on one date is going out of style, maybe this is a way to keep yeah. a slight energy of that alive. Because like we see the first few fights and like they're all pretty like fun, good sportsmanship. Yeah. Like everyone seems like they're having fun. Like it does genuinely seem fun. And then, of course, the last fight. Aaron and Cody, my first impression is like, okay, you know, they had that weird random ass drunken fight the first night. So producers are trying to exploit that. And then we pretty immediately learn from Aaron that he and Cody actually know each other and they've known each other for a long time and that he has never liked him, which gives that quote from the premiere so much more context, you know, I kind of feel bad that I was like, oh, this is just like some toxic masculinity douchebag who was just a little drunk (laughs) no apparently there was more context and that is that they've actually known each other and there's some beef there (laughs) and for that i want to formally apologize to aaron we still don't know the whole reasoning behind the whole fight and we'll get into that in like a little bit well that's what i was gonna say as far as like so much more context i don't know if we got we got a sliver of more context oh yeah well i think that's important (laughs) because i think without that context he literally looks like a yeah. huge like macho man yeah. douchebag like picking a fight with someone yeah whereas exactly. this is like look man just stay away from me like i don't really like you and so um to really get into it like everyone could tell that there was tension there you know like they weren't looking at each other it was awkward and i think in past dates like yeah. this like they kind of manufacture the drama of it right and it's more like in confessionals and stuff but in this scenario you literally see the three of them the three women talking yeah. about how tense it is and how they're not looking at each other and that it feels personal yeah and then afterwards uh aaron won the the date uh the belt buckle the date belt buckle and so aaron and katie have a little sit down one-on-one and she straight up asks him hey do i sense tension is that correct and he's very honest with her and so this is when i thought like okay maybe here's we're we're gonna see that like macho man douchebag you know, mass, whatever toxic masculinity thing come out. And I thought he was actually quite tasteful with the way he explained his feelings about Cody. When it comes to that, I mean, I, I do know him from back in San Diego. Oh, you guys know each other? Yeah, we knew each other. We knew each other before. Oh. And so I was surprised to see him here, actually. But we're not really cool. We're not friends. But, you know, there were just some, like, 
just some social media posts or just things he did that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And so I know he really wants to become famous or get on the, you know, or get on the show for those reasons. Mm -hmm. And the way he handles situations mm -hmm. to me, I find disturbing. Like he handles things in a way that is just, it's just malicious in my, in my. Really? A little bit, yeah. And so it's just like not energy I want around me, you know, and so. I want to put the caveat that like we really don't, yeah. just like you said, Brett, we really don't know what happened with them. We truly don't know. So like it really could just be right. like a Kaylin, um, Hannah B situation where they just like don't like each other. And for that reason, <laughs> like you, everyone must pick a side and want, you know, whatever. Like you cannot like right, each other right. and still be decent people, you know? And I think that Aaron, we don't know for sure what happened if he because it was all extremely vague so we don't know if something literally happened we don't know if cody's actually a shithead but aaron did say something that i really liked i, I wouldn't say he's necessarily like a piece of but I, I you know there's always that concern there but. yeah no and I, so i thought that that was a good thing to say just in the sense of like look i'm not telling you to tell him to fuck off i'm just telling you i'm just truly answering yeah. your question and explaining why there was tension we know each other yeah. and i don't like him yeah that's all he's he might be a great guy but we don't, but I, this is how I feel. And I thought that was very key and very different from the Hannah B. Kalen thing, where it was like, choose a side. Yeah, no, I agree. Cause again, like what you said is we really don't have much to go on here. We have no idea really what their beef is whatsoever beyond them just vaguely knowing each other. And then like some, oh, I don't like what he does on social media. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what's some that Instagram post? Instagram post or like social media post. Social yeah. media there and, and see if we can find that post. I bet you anything in a year from now when they're out of contract, then we're going to be getting both sides of the story of what that was. So looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. I can see like one of them saying a little something, something, but probably not the full thing. That's until the contracts are over. Um, but so... I think when it comes to that whole picking a side thing, we can't actually know like the right side to pick because we don't know much about the situation. But I think I have enough uh, information to, to pick a side here based off of how they responded. Because, you know, like you were saying, I really do like how Aaron was handling the situation. I thought he was very reasonable and I thought he was upfront with how he felt. And again, like qualified, mm -hmm. I don't think he's maybe a shitty person but you know i just feel this way but then fast forward to later on that night and then katie eventually approaches cody about it and be like hey what's up like you and aaron not really the best of pals here and i was very similar to katie we so find out uh very thrown off by like how cody was responding to this because it felt very robotic to me or it felt very just yeah, like what Katie ended up yeah. saying later, if someone has an accusation against you, if you don't react, like that's like absolutely not true. Like that's there would be a little bit more like emotion, maybe. Um, he literally says like that's not factual, like a very alien response in my book. Again, everyone reacts to things differently sure. and people process and react to things differently. So there is a world where maybe that's just how he is. But I do have to agree with Katie in the sense that like if someone was accusing you personally of that like you would probably be more defensive like he did and again editing and all that stuff but he really did seem just rehearsed like, like it seemed like he was trying to like remember what it was that he was going to say in the situation like it, it just it didn't what he was saying didn't really make sense it didn't really like yeah. 
provide any clarity. You know, he was just really playing dumb a little bit. And again, maybe he truly did not know why this guy didn't like him. But I also think that that's not true because as we saw on the first night, the guy told him, you know that I've never liked you. So There was definitely like yellow flags all over the place with Cody's reaction. Again, like stumbling over his explanations of it, which again, could be nerves. It could be like just being flustered in the moment. But then I remember him saying something along the lines of like, oh, well, I think some of those things were exaggerated, which kind of gives so what are to the they? fact that like, yeah, he's not outright denying them. Right. So there, there's like something there and he's just trying to figure out in the moment how to twist it. Yeah. So it sounds a little bit better. So that's the yeah. kind of energy I was getting. And then Cody eventually confronts Aaron about it. And this is the other yellow flag. Obviously you and Katie had a conversation. And it's just it's just making me look really bad. It's a responsibility thing for me to bring it up to her because we are connected. But like, how, how, how would anyone know we knew each other if you kept your mouth shut? And again, like as Cardi B would say, that's suspicious. Yeah, that to me was like the big red flag. I'm like, oh, this just like if you were still on the fence of is there a side to be on and which side is it like to me? Even if it was like uh, purely, I we we just don't like each other. This is a huge red flag because it's like the lead should know that you know each other and you don't like each other, but like you're willing to just like stay away from each other and that's that. But to be like, why would you even tell people that we know each other? Like, how is anyone supposed to trust you? Yeah. Like it, it that truly to yeah, me was like, right. okay, you do deserve to go home. Yeah, yeah. It's like how you respond to situations because again, like I don't even I'm not. I'm not even taking a side on like the actual whatever real life drama they had. This is purely based off of their reactions because that's, you know, a big indicator. I think. Says a lot. And then so like as you were saying, uh, if someone responds that way, there's going to it's going to affect your trust of them a little bit. And, you know, Katie feels the same way and says, regardless of what is actually happening between you two, I don't think that. Uh, We have a sense of trust. This is to Cody and Cody is sent home that night. Just like really sorting shit out like right away. I respect that. It was the right move. And I I actually was surprised that Cody took it the way he did. Like, yeah, he was like, I can't believe this is happening. But like, this is just the end of the story. We're we're never really going to find out what happened here. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I was just kind of I feel like usually when shady people go home, it's like more of a fanfare. And yeah. it felt like he just like silently left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just like it was just like too early. It was just like, well, you know, we barely we barely knew ye. So, yeah, we barely not knew you. make a whole hubbub about it. Yeah. Um, and so after that, Katie, you know, tells everyone what happened. And she's just kind of like, look, I need to take a moment to compose myself because this kind of rattled me. Um, she does that. And then Andrew S comes to check in on her and they end up having what seems to be a very lengthy and and nice conversation, right? They kind of talk about the ways that they grew up and it turns out they had a very similar upbringing. Like I had the worst sneakers, you know, always had to hide. Like I wore like the same jeans, like, you know, periodically throughout the week. Thrift shopping. Thrift shopping. Hand me down. And I'm a baby. So I'm, I'm getting hand me downs. You know what I mean? Free lunches, that was me. Yeah, all these free lunches. And like, I felt really bad because, I don't know, like you just... And so then they have uh, a very nice makeout, a very good makeout. And and again, like, so I will say all of my favorites, Connor the Cat, Andrew S, like they're like probably my top two. Both of them, really good episode for both of them. 
But to pit them against each other a little bit, I do think based off of like just just my own observations, I think that makeout looks better than the Connor makeout. So I'm a little worried about Connor. <laughs> yeah, I will say that. I think I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Just based on the but, visuals. But we're hoping. We're hoping. Yeah. Um, so we see a bunch of other random little cute moments with the other guys. But it is interest who ultimately gets the group date rose, which, you know, I think we're pretty much on the same page that deserved. Yeah. Not a surprise. Yeah. As he should. As he should. So then after that, we kind of get like this vague time before the rose ceremony, which, of course, like, well, spoiler alert, we get a cliffhanger. So, boo. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we get into some of the conversations there, I do have to call out that I think this episode, there was a lot of good outfits. I was very into like every single thing that Katie was wearing. We got like this kind of emerald looking dress here. We had like some cool like black dress, but like with some accents situations earlier. Just I was a big fan. I was really into it. Um, and I think that, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, and I think I oh respectfully God. Are you not disagree. Into them? Oh, my God. I honestly wow. there were have been like I think Man. Katie is like dropped out gorgeous. And I think that because of her face and her body and just and her the way she carries herself, she makes everything she wears like look better honestly like i think it's hard for her to look bad but there's been there were a lot of outfits in this episode that i was like huh like her like just to be full completely honest like her first outfit i thought like the shirt she was wearing is like a henley with a hoodie it looked strange i didn't quite like it it looked on her because she's hot like that's how i felt about it the black dress the with i thought that it looked the like accents I thought it looked cheap. I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. It looked like it didn't. I don't think it looked good. I don't think the execution was good there. I think the dress, if the dress hadn't had that, those like accents there, I think it would have been like a a much more tasteful dress. Um, Again, these are my opinions. You can tell if you love Kay's outfit. Amazing. I just can't in a good conscience agree with something that I don't actually feel. No, that's Um, fair. Listen, I get it. You're a hater. I get it. I'm not a hater. I literally (laughs) am not. These are, but I will say that I think all those outfits were like fine. And I truly think that Katie's rose ceremony dress was like one of the ugliest dresses I've seen in Bachelor Nation. She literally looked like the Statue of Liberty, like metallic, such different. Like it looked like a cheap fabric. It looked like this. Like I know exactly. Like I could almost feel the fabric. Like I am. I and here's the thing. Katie looked hot in it because Katie's hot, and parts of it were form flattering. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion. Katie, if you're listening, please don't hate me. It's your stylist, not you. Um, but yeah, uh, Brett and I are just agreeing to disagree because that is my feeling and I cannot agree with, cause there's some outfits where I'm like, okay, whatever. Like it's fine. Like it, it, it's like, it's, it's fine. It's good. It looks good. But this dress is truly one of my least favorite dresses. I think the only dress I've ever seen on the bachelorette that I've disliked more than this one is Hannah B's dress when she told Luke to leave and then he came to the rose ceremony and she was like I told you to leave get the fuck out of here that was such an yeah. ugly dress and I think we agree th- on that I think because I was not into that one yeah either. I think that's the only one that I've ever that I dislike more than this one that comes to my memory Content. well for whatever it's worth I was a fan of all of them I don't know if I think that's she looks great in my them. own taste but who knows I think knows? I think that it's a reflection of all of our tastes and we just have different tastes and it's fashion so yeah. it's fine if this was like tastes in like political figures it'd be different but fashion harms no one well that's not true yeah. um, but fashion <laughs> taste harms no one so fair enough 
<laughs> anyway, Michael B., uh, the man who has a child and also a dog with the same name as Tommy, uh, finally gets a little bit of one-on-one time with Katie, and they kind of just tell each other that they like each other. Like, they're kind of like, I hope you weren't worried because I felt confident. And he's like, I felt confident too, so I wasn't worried. And that was kind of it. I respected that Michael B probably has more confidence than I do because I, even if I trusted the connection, I'd still be like a fucking nervous wreck. Oh, yeah. So maybe he's he's bluffing a little bit, maybe. But. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised, too. I was like, this is either a fake it till you make it moment or I don't know. I kind of, I was into it. Touche, Michael B. Touche. Um, and then, but even before, I'm not sure if this happened right before or right after, uh, Michael B, but sometime around the beginning of the rose ceremony, you know, like Carl is kind of talking to all the men and he kind of just can't stop talking about like, who else is a snake? Who else is a snake? You know? And the men are kind of like, I think it's not worth it for us to spend any time trying to deduce whether or not we are here for the right reasons. You know, each one of us knows why we are here. And, and yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any extra effort into worrying about about if anybody else is wasting time the way that Cody did for us. Like, I kind of agree. It's like, it's not worth trying to find something that isn't really there. If there are vibes, follow them. But right. it seemed like almost like a witch hunt. Yeah, yeah, right. And the wrong focus. Yes. And the wrong focus. Absolutely the wrong focus. Yeah, so like, we see that a little bit more when... Carl sits down with Katie, just sort of like really leans into this like, we can't trust people. Like there's, there's other, you know, people who are going to be the other Cody's are still out there. And mm-hmm. again, yeah, has this witch hunt energy. It just has like this chaotic energy. Um, and yeah. also I kind of felt, you know, he said something along the lines of like, oh, I want you to stay vigilant. Um, I kind of felt like he was like mansplaining the process of being the bachelorette to Katie. It's like, here's what you should do. It's like, sir, this is week two. She's been on this franchise before. Whomst are you? Get out of here. Yeah, it kind of gave me the energy of like, have you even seen the show before? Also, like yeah. to your to our point earlier, because not only was he mansplaining that, but he was like, I don't want to give any names, but X, Y, Z. And she's like, no, but you you can't give me names. You can't tell me situations or examples without names. Because she was even like, you don't have to give me names. Like she was trying to respect that. Yeah, and it's right. like, but can you at least give me like a situation, an example? And he's like, just trust me. No, 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 I can't. <laughs> just, just trust me. And felt very condescending, very rude. And it's very like... Just have you watched the show before? Like, that's not how yeah. this works. Yeah. It's not. Either you have something to say or you don't. Yeah. He was quite literally finding a way to. And we get more of that, too, like when Carl goes back to the guys and the guys want to know what's up, too. Like, they're seeing, yeah. they're not like super into the idea that this is uh, taking up their time, but they're like, OK, like, who's they're the person? What's going on? Yeah, they're genuinely confused. They're genuinely wanting to know. And he is just gaslighting not only katie just everybody (laughs) involved in this house it's just crazy it makes me think he's one of those motivational speakers that's like wishes they were a cult leader honestly because he thinks he can get away with you know just trust me or whatever but also like he's trying to like worm his way out of taking responsibility and that when he finally speaks up about okay i spoke to her because i feel like this and it's not but it's not my place to say anything they're like but you already said something and then they're trying to get to the bottom of it they're like okay who what happened i heard some stuff circulating around and you know like i mean i'll approach the the people i'll approach the people directly i'll approach the person directly like i don't think it's my place to like throw this out well look i'm telling you right now that listen okay listen 
I want to give the person a chance to basically come forward and like fess up and like, yo, talk about what the f is going on. Now, look, I'm not going to be the one to say it right here. All I know is some people are not being authentic. Why don't the person just come out and say it right now? We don't know Nobody who it is. is. Yeah, we don't know who it is. The person knows who it is. Why don't you just come out and say it? I was getting frustrated. Like truly, I think I think the more that the world wakes up to gaslighting, um, obviously for men, but not just for men, from anyone, from loved ones, friends, yeah. I think it's getting harder and harder to do it at yeah, all. Like I think it's hard like to yeah. yeah, I think it's hard to do it well when people know what manipulation starts to look like. So I think this guy just doesn't know how to do it well. Yeah. And on top of that, like no one is falling for it. Like he's yeah. just so clearly struggling to like pin it on anyone else and it is not working yeah and this is too where i did a bit of a reversal on my feelings about aaron and i mean obviously cody went home so uh we saw aaron handle that situation better too but then you know we briefly see aaron get pulled aside he's going to be like kind of public enemy number one as far as yeah. like, okay, who's the next person we don't trust but i yeah. do think he came back and handled that really well he sort of uh, kind of like led the conversation around like, okay, like let's just hash this out. Like he's like getting brought into this and he just got out of a situation like this. Mm -hmm. And again, he's being fairly reasonable. He's like, okay, who is it? What's the situation? And then he's starting to get a little bit of like Carl's nonsense. And he's like, all right, come on. Like, I can't work with that. Like none of us yeah. can work with that. Yeah. And even to backtrack a little bit, even how he was with Katie. So it's like, what? why is she pulling him aside right like even i was like did we see carl hint towards aaron like the men say it too they're like did was it aaron who did something fucked up like right it would make sense with the whole yeah, drama that right. just happened and then she immediately is just like look i trust you kind of like you were right about cody so like do you know what's happening and the way he handled that i thought was very good he didn't get like overly defensive or anything, but it, he was just kind of like, look, I honestly have no idea what you're referring to. Like, I, I don't know. And I'm sorry. And like, that's, it sounds like manipulation and, and that sounds really frustrating. And I felt like that was, I just felt he, like he handled it so well. Cause obviously it's a tough spot to be in. He has no idea what the fuck is happening, but he's also not like puff chest out, like getting defensive, like assuming yeah. something's wrong with him. Right. I mean, we don't see much of the conversation, but it seems like he's genuinely interested in like trying to solve this problem for her right. versus right. like trying to get himself out of a mess that something, someone yeah. else created, yeah. which I right. thought was like a very specific, like light yeah. vibe that yeah. I picked up on, but that I thought was like good and special. Yeah. And I think he was also being respectful of the other guys there too, right? Like yeah. all the other guys very much seemed in Aaron's corner. And mm -hmm. if anything, there's a little bit of this like common enemy thing that I think is going to yeah. start unifying the rest of the guys because it seems very at Carl at the moment. Yeah. So like like you said, uh, Aaron goes out and kind of like tries to explain to the guys what's happening. And then they're like, no, no, no. We It's, it's Carl said the shit. And then they're like, okay, well, what the fuck? And then we have a bit of a cliffhanger, which is frustrating. I will say, though, that in earlier promos of this same episode, like, you know, coming up later, there is a shot where, you know, Katie looks frustrated and it seems like she's just finished telling whoever it is to get the fuck out. And you see like a door close next to her face. And mm. so I thought we were going to see that this episode because it was a promo for later on in this episode. <laughs> so I am frustrated because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And when they're doing all of these previews, like I literally have no idea when we're even like the timeline feels all, all askew. And it's yeah. like the same thing. It's like, I know Nick's showing up at some point, 
But like, yeah. I thought that that was going to be maybe like earlier on, like maybe we're going to get it this week. But nope, it's just like nebulous. This is the entire season in like a quick sizzle reel. And we kind of get like the same sizzle oh, reel, really? I feel like. Yeah. Really? I thought that they said that that was next week on The Bachelorette. I don't even remember. I think they did because I remember thinking like, oh, it's a lot's happening next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I was I like, know. this is a jam packed next week. Yeah. Good yeah. Anyway, I hope for the the scene that was promised to us this episode that was not there of the person walking out the door. I hope it's Carl. I hope they're all like Carl just made shit up and that he leaves because fuck that dude. Yeah. And and again, I think like if that's the case, we lose Carl next week. I think it's going to bond the guys who are already there even more. I actually yeah. really remember when. I think this say was, Chad. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I knew it. I knew JoJo season. Right. season. That was yes. like a magical moment. Like I literally where, read your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Where I just remember like how wholesome of a moment that was. And I'm really oh, hoping so to get another good. one like it. Where yeah. yeah, it's like where the guys finally found out ding dong, the chat is dead. And yeah. there's like fireworks going off and they're all like hugging. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if there was fireworks, but I remember Wells, like they like threw his like protein powder into the air, like his ashes. <laughs> and then Wells did like a eulogy for him. It was very funny. Uh, so I'm hoping we get that moment 2.0 next week. Yeah. Same. Um, and with that, after that little cliffhanger, we have the end credits shot, which has quickly become uh, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of each episode. And we find out that Katie is very afraid of needles. I am too. Oh my God, we have something in common. And that she is not going to take COVID tests, which like, who is, you know, those things yeah. suck. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've only gotten two, three, I'm forgetting. And I don't know how regularly they have to test. But can't be pleasant, can't be great. And I think it gets worse every single time, I would imagine, because it's like already sensitive. You're already a little nervous. Yeah, (laughs) I think so. Go again. You know what I appreciated more about this moment, too, is, you know, she's talking about how she has a fear of needles. But then she also did like a whole uh, vaccine PSA, like right before her season started. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard that just like in the ether of that's like an excuse why people haven't gotten the vaccine. It's like, oh, I just don't like needles. I don't like, you know, and it's like, listen, Katie's afraid of needles and still got her vaccine. Go get your vaccine. Let's let's do this thing. Let's do the damn thing, as Becca would say. Yeah, let's be COVID free, guys. Let's, let's uh, stop all of the mutations or iterations or variants or whatever. And let us go back to normal, please. And with that. <laughs> that's another episode of Baby Got Batch. This episode was produced by us, Brett Vergara and Camila Salazar. With editing help from Gabrielle Horton. Have any questions, comments, opinions, haikus, or love letters for us? Email them all to babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And listen, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts specifically. Uh, Five stars would be amazing. And if you're not yet, you should follow us on social media. We're at babygotbatchpod on Twitter and Instagram. And listen, if that's not enough for you, follow us personally while you're there. We're at Brett S. Vergara and at Kami La 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 with two A's at the end on both. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye, friends. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 